Stand for our scripture reading this morning. Haley and Daniel Scott come to lead us in reading from Mark chapter 9. Mark 9, 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his hand, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Mark ten thirteen through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. You and I live in a world that celebrates greatness. We worship and adore, we look up to athletes and celebrities. We look up to politicians and CEOs, not because of their character, but because of what they've achieved. Because we live in a culture that celebrates greatness. We define greatness based on what we have, based on our possessions and wealth, based on success and achievement. We define greatness based on power and politics. Some of you hate the sound of all of that, and so you celebrate greatness by being different, by refusing to play into the madness, by being creative. Others of you Celebrate greatness and define greatness based on what you know, based on your intellect. But you see, all of us define greatness by being righteous in ourselves. We live in a culture that celebrates greatness. The question for us is, how does somebody become truly great? How do you achieve greatness? This past week, I came across an article in Entrepreneur Magazine, defined three steps to becoming truly great. Here are the steps, if you want to know. Step one, promote yourself. Step two, overcommit. Step three, work hard to get better. None of that was supposed to be ironic. As I read that article, I thought to myself, this could not be a better list of why we are all so exhausted. Because every one of us in this sanctuary this morning is self-seeking, aren't we? 
if we're going to be honest. We're self-promoting, always wanting to put our best selves forward in front of other people. We care so deeply about what other people think of us. Why? Because we live in a culture that celebrates greatness. We are busy and over-scheduled. Do you feel that? Especially as the pandemic begins to wane. What was so hard in the midst of the pandemic was also so good for us. In so many ways. As our schedules begin to fill up again, we are overcommitted. Why? Because we live in a culture that celebrates greatness. And you and I tirelessly work hard every day to make ourselves better. Why? Because we live in a culture that celebrates greatness. And deep down, we want to be celebrated too. The question is, how do you become truly great? Our world ascribes greatness to the powerful, to the wealthy, to the successful, to the elite. But in the Gospels, Jesus holds up a model of greatness for us that is radically different. He holds up a child. And this is what he says. He says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to be great, you need to become like a child. And so this morning, as we consider these challenging words of Jesus, I want us to reimagine what true greatness really is. I want us all to see why none of us will enter the kingdom of God unless we first learn to become like a child. So the first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that true greatness is being last. I want you to look with me. Mark 9 verse 30. We're told that the disciples went with Jesus on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. Verse 31, we're told that Jesus was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. This is the second of three instances in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. Three times in the Gospel of Mark. And what you need to know is every single time his disciples do something that proves just how much they misunderstand Jesus. Just how much they have no idea who he really is and what he came to do. The first instance we looked at just a few weeks ago. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection, and Peter took him aside and rebuked him and told him not to go to the cross. You see, because they did not understand Jesus. In fact, Mark tells us so much in verse 32. Look with me. We're told they did not understand the saying. They were afraid to ask him. And so you, you might be wondering, well, how could that be? I mean, these were the disciples. Perhaps you wish that you could have been in their shoes to see all that Jesus did and heard all that Jesus said. And, and yet here they are and, and they still don't understand him. How could that be? I want you to know this morning, we're just like them. 
We are just like them. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years or 30 days. So much of what Jesus said and did is so radically different than what we would expect or imagine greatness to be that we just don't understand him. It's why Peter took him aside and rebuked him after he said he was going to the cross. How, how many of us avoid suffering? How many of you avoid sharing in the sufferings of Christ? How many of you would say that that is true greatness, going to be crucified on the cross? You see, we're just like Peter. We avoid suffering. We avoid the cross. And the truth is, so many of us live a crossless Christianity. We go through the motions of Christianity and we try to speak into our cultural moment apart from the cross. We try to do things for Christ and his kingdom apart from the cross, but I want you to know that every issue in our world is a gospel issue. Every doubt, every debate is answered at the cross of Jesus. Everything that we do for the kingdom is impossible without Jesus. Why? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. And now we come to the second prediction that Jesus makes of his death and resurrection to his disciples. Again, he tells them that he's going to die and on the third day he's going to rise again. And what do they do? They argue with one another about who is the greatest. I want you to look with me. Verse 33, we're told they came to Capernaum. And when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? This is like a father confronting his children, arguing in the back of the car. Or like the heavenly father confronting Adam and Eve and asking them after they ate fruit from the tree, where are you? Jesus didn't ask this question because he didn't know what they were talking about. He asked this question because he knew exactly the condition of their hearts and he knows the condition of our hearts as well. Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? And look with me at verse 34. We're told they kept silent. Why? Because they were caught. They were ashamed. Because they knew that they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Now what you need to know is that in those days, there was a, a, a common debate among Jewish people about who would sit at the right hand of God in the kingdom. Who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And, and what could they do in this life to ensure that they would be the one who would be seated at the right hand of God? You can think of it like a table around a king. Who gets to sit closest to the head of the table where the king sits? Whoever is sitting closest to the head of the table is the one who has the most notoriety. The one who's done the most for the kingdom. The one who is the greatest. In our house, it's not the king, it's the queen, and she's our four-year-old. Okay? In our house, the constant argument is who gets to sit next to her. Because all the siblings love her so much, it's wonderful. And there's so much arguing about it, we actually had to set up a schedule of who gets to sit next to the queen. You see, we 
argue about who gets to have the greatest seat at the table. Here are the disciples. They are arguing who's the greatest. And they're arguing about this after Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. You see, because they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Not much in our world has changed. You and I want to be the greatest, and to be the greatest, that means we need to be better than everyone around us, right? See, not only do we live in a world that celebrates greatness, we live in a world that is highly competitive, that pits us against one another. We're constantly posturing. It's not enough that we would be successful, it's that we have to be more successful than our neighbors. It's not enough that we have uh, possessions and wealth. We have to have more than everyone else. We want to be first. We want to win. We want, as the great hero of a fantastic film called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Do you know the one? Great film. If you ain't first... You're last. Now we laugh at that because it actually resonates with us. We're constantly jockeying for position. And this is how Jesus responds to all of that. I want you to listen. Verse 35. He sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all. He would later say in verse 31 of Mark chapter 10. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. In other words, if you really want to be the greatest, if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, if you really want to be seated at the right hand of the throne, you have to become last. You have to learn to put others first ahead of yourself. You have to learn the art of not self-promotion, but self-sacrificing. You have to learn what it means to lay your life down for the sake of others. If you want to be first, Jesus says, you have to be last. You see, because what Jesus is doing is he's helping us to see that the kingdom of God is upside down. The values that we see in the world around us have been completely turned upside down in the kingdom of God, or better yet, they've actually been turned right side up. You see, in the fall, our world and everything in it was broken. And the values of this created order that God set up as creator were completely distorted and broken. And so rather than having the image of God and his people, that image has been marred. It's broken in us. And so rather than celebrate the image of God and people around us, we are selfish and self-seeking. We're constantly trying to win and to be better than the people around us. And Jesus says, no, if you want to be first, you have to be last. We live in a culture that's built on upward mobility of moving yourself up through the ranks. And Jesus says the way up is down. It's laying your life down for the sake of others. And so what does that look like and how do we do it? The second thing I want you to see 
Not only is true greatness about being last, but true greatness is about being a servant. How do we become last? We must become a servant. Look with me again, verse 35. Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone will be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He is connecting these two ideas together. To be last is to be a servant. The word servant here is the same word that would be used to describe a waiter waiting tables. It's actually the word that we get the word deacon from. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever waited tables before, but you can imagine how difficult that job is. In those days, the ancient Near East, a waiter was often a slave. It was demeaning and humiliating work. That's the kind of servant that Jesus is calling us to be. It's the kind of servant that he was. A servant who humbled himself to the point of becoming like us and laying his life down on a cross. Jesus says, if you want to be first, you must be last and servant of all. To be a servant is to live a life of self-sacrifice. It's why he said in verse 31, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of man and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise again. The disciples didn't understand that because they didn't understand the greatness of being a servant. They thought surely the Messiah would not come to die. Surely the Messiah would come to win. Jesus says, no, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And what he is doing is he is connecting two Old Testament prophecies that are seemingly contradictory. The prophet Daniel told of the Messiah and called him the son of man. And this is what Daniel says the Messiah, the son of man will be like. This is Daniel 7 verse 14. And to the Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. If that is all that you have in your head about the Messiah, the Son of Man, then you would imagine him to be a victorious warrior king, one whose kingdom will never pass away. One who has come to conquer. But the prophet Isaiah gives us more to understand how this warrior king will come in victory. Isaiah 53 verse 3, we're told that the Messiah is a suffering servant. That he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. How can those two images be true? A victorious, conquering king and a humble servant who suffered for his people. Jesus says the son of man is going to be rejected and he is going to be killed. The disciples didn't understand it because we don't either. We don't either. And we cannot understand it until we see the true greatness of being a servant. See, not only the disciples not understand it, but Mark tells us they were afraid to ask him about it. Why? 
Why? Why do you think the disciples were afraid to just ask him, Jesus, what are you talking about? You see, I think because deep down they knew that if they were going to have to follow Jesus, they would need to follow him all the way. They would have to become servants too. I wonder, in your own following Jesus, if you're a Christian this morning, do you follow him all the way to the cross or just halfway? Do you, do you follow him just enough to stop short at the foot of the cross? Because if we're going to follow Jesus all the way, it means we follow him all the way to the cross, all the way to sharing in his sufferings, all the way to becoming servants just like him. How much of your Christian life of following Jesus is built around serving Christ and his kingdom? And how much of your life has just been consumed with seeking after the service of others to build up your kingdom? Jesus says, if you want to be first, you have to be last. You have to put others ahead of yourself. If you want to be first, you have to be a servant. You have to learn to lay your life down and to live a life of self-sacrifice. To recognize that everything he has given us, he has called us to lay down at the foot of the cross every time, every talent, every treasure for the sake of building up his kingdom. If you want to be first, Jesus says, you have to be last. And you have to learn to be a servant. And so what does that look like? How do we do that practically? How, how, to, how do we become first in the kingdom of God by being last, becoming servant? Well, sometimes I think the way that we try to do that as the people of God looks something like this. And maybe you've seen it before. It's one of those old Christian jokes, right? The ones that kind of make me feel uncomfortable, truthfully. We have a bunch of people in line, maybe at, a, let's say it's a meal after worship. And if surely there's somebody that's going to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to stand at the back of the line, you know. First will be last. Right? You ever heard someone make that joke before? Now, it's, it's silly and it's well-meaning. But you see, we're tempted because this, is, this demon is in so deep that we hear something like this, we say, okay, then I'm going to work really hard and overcommit myself so that I can be last. I'm going to try to earn my way to the right hand of God the Father by trying to always put myself laugh and put on what's called false humility. You know what that is? False humility is not genuine because it still puffs you up. It's just another way of trying to be great on your own. And so how do we do this? How do we truly become first in the kingdom of God? How do we be last? How do we become a servant? Just like the disciples, we don't truly get it. And so Jesus doesn't just tell his disciples, he shows them. The last thing I want you to see this morning, that true greatness is learning to be a child. Look with me, verse 36. Jesus says, you have to be last. He says, you have to be a servant. And then in verse 36, he took a child and he put it in the midst of them. I want you to imagine that. See it. Here's Jesus. He's just 
radically confronted the argument they just had about being the greatest, and now he has set a child in the middle of them. And this is what he says, verse 37. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now there's two things I want you to know. The first is this. Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. And in Aramaic, the word for child is the same word for servant. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Jesus is saying, look, do you want to know what a servant is? Let me show you. Here's a child. The second thing I want you to know is that in those days, children had no value and no worth in society. They were considered the lowest of the low. They had no worth until they got older. We know from ancient papyruses found in ancient Greece, these instructions were given to a pregnant wife. It's a male child, let it live. If it's a female child, cast it out. Children had no value in society. Not much has changed in our Western world, has it? Why? Because we live in a culture that celebrates greatness. Greatness at all costs. Greatness at the cost of competition, at posturing, at doing anything it takes to be successful in this earthly kingdom. And in a world like that, children get trampled on. And yet here is Jesus, and he says, if you want to be great, you need to receive a child like this because if you receive a child you receive me and then he says something radically challenging whoever receives one such child in my name receives me whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me in other words if you receive a child it's as if you're receiving me and if you're receiving me it's as if you're receiving my heavenly father this challenge was put to the test in the next chapter, Mark chapter 10. I want you to look with me in your bulletin. You can go there in your Bible. The disciples have just heard Jesus say, if you want to be great, you need to receive a child. I want you to remember that. If you want to be first in the kingdom of God, you must receive a child, because if you receive a child, you receive me. And then this is what happens in Mark 10 verse 13. And people were bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Jesus just said, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you must receive a child, because if you receive a child, you receive me. And then now the disciples are with Jesus, and people are bringing their children to Jesus, and what do the disciples do? They tell them to go away. They do the opposite of receiving a child. And you say again, well, how could the disciples do that? Jesus just told them what they should do because just like us, live in a world that celebrates greatness. And they had it backwards. And so they rebuked these people. We're told, verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You see, in telling his disciples to receive children, 
He was showing them who was most fit for the kingdom of God. Not the most successful, not the most wealthy, not the most powerful, but children. If you want to know who belongs to be seated at the right hand of God, it's a child, Jesus says. That's why you should receive them. But he doesn't stop there. He says, look, if you really want to be great, you need to become like a child. In fact, none of you will enter the kingdom of God unless you learn to receive his kingdom like a child. So what does that look like? How do we become like a child? How do we receive the kingdom of God like a child? Now, we're tempted to think of all of the virtues that children possess. And there's no doubt that children have a lot to teach us about life if we're willing to listen. And so we think of their innocence. Perhaps Jesus is saying, look, you need to become innocent. We, we think of the wonder with which they view the world. Perhaps that's what it's like, that we need to have more awe and wonder about the things of God. We, we think of the way a child is full of passion and zeal, even sometimes over the smallest little things. Perhaps we need to become more passionate. But you see, I think Jesus is upholding a child as a model of greatness for us, not because of what they have, but because of what they lack. In other words, Jesus is saying, become like a child, not by becoming more passionate or innocent. He's saying, you have to learn to receive the kingdom of God like a child because of what they don't have. You see, in Greek, the word child here is often used for the word infant. It's not just that people were bringing their children to Jesus. They were bringing their babies. Much like the babies who came forward for baptism this morning. You see, this is why baptism is such a powerful example of the kingdom of God for us and the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do these babies that were baptized have this morning that make them deserving of baptism? What do they have? What do these babies possess that make them fit for the kingdom of God? What do they have? They have nothing. They have nothing. They are helpless. They are completely dependent and they are powerless. And that is how we enter the kingdom of God. We enter with nothing. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to receive the kingdom of God, if you want to be truly great, you must first recognize that you are not great. And that you have nothing to offer Christ in his kingdom. And yet just like baptism He meets us in our nothingness and pours grace upon grace upon grace. And so this morning, here's my question for you. It's my question for me too. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Are you weary? Have you been striving after building up your own kingdom and trying to become great in this world, in this life? Or maybe you're exhausted from trying to become great in God's kingdom. And maybe you've spent an entire Christian walk trying to prove your worth for the kingdom of God. 
Jesus says, lay it all down. Lay it all down. Whatever it is that you think makes you great, whatever it is that you think makes you deserving, lay it all down and come with nothing. Maybe for others of you this morning, you thought that was the gospel. And that's why you've never believed in Jesus. Maybe you thought it's just a bunch of people who are hypocrites who think they are greater than everyone else when they are worse sometimes than everyone else. I want you to know that the gospel says, come with nothing. And Jesus gives us everything. Jesus said, if you want to be first, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be last. You have to be a servant. And you have to become like a child. Offering nothing at the gate of the kingdom. Because Jesus made himself last. So that we might be first at the table of the king. Jesus Christ, the king of kings and lord of lords, made himself a servant. He was born into poverty in a stable And he took on not just the poverty of wealth, but the poverty of our flesh. And he lived a sinless life among us sinful people. And then he died a shameful and humiliating death. He became a servant for you and for me. So that all who might receive him like children might be called the children of God. So what are you bringing to the kingdom this morning? If your answer is anything but nothing, just like the disciples, you don't yet understand the gospel. Jesus this morning is inviting us to bring our nothing to the foot of the cross so that we might receive everything in the kingdom of God. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would show us what is too lofty for us. It was for the disciples. It is for us. For those of us this morning, it might be too quick to think that this is just too simple and too easy. Help us to see the ways that we still don't understand this. For others of us this morning who have been told a lie, that the gospel is about bringing your best to God. Help us all to see that the gospel is about bringing our nothing, just like helpless children, so that you might lavish us with the grace that is only found in the death and resurrection of your son. Father, thank you for being a good father who has lavished us with the riches that are found in Jesus. May we lay aside the greatness of the kingdoms of this world and find the true greatness of the cross and the kingdom of heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.